0: This is the At 530 On Main podcast. I'm Sean Collins. And I'm Mike Davis. And we're here to discuss the convergence of digital
1: and physical experiences in today's world. With Extend Group as
0: an expert in designing online experiences. And VPS Architecture, an expert on creating physical experiences. You will hear unique discussions on technology, theory, and more that merges our separate areas of expertise into one podcast experience. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy today's At 5.30 on Main podcast episode. Welcome to At 5.30 on Main. We are at the Extension Studio here in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, We have an awesome hour set aside here today. Lots to talk about. We have, as always, Mike Davis from VPS Architecture. Mike, what's going on? It's going. It's going.
1: That's the phrase right now, right? Going. It needs to warm up. I think everybody can agree.
0: Yes, please do. Well, it's going to be 80 this weekend, though. I know. Like, we're going from like 40 in rain for four weeks in a row to 80 degrees. I really like our seasons, but you know what? Maybe next year. That's right. Yeah. Maybe next year. It's the new norm. <laughs> new norm. Here we go. We'll be going right. 80 degrees 110 percent humidity here in good old evansville indiana but once again 530 on main is brought to you by vps architecture and extend group and today we are fortunate enough to have preston lewis in the podcast studio with us he's the executive director of the off-road motorsports youth foundation or if you would like to call it omyf off-Road Motorsports Youth Foundation is a nonprofit organization and desert race team based in Evansville, Indiana. OMYF is led by cancer survivor and motorsports enthusiast, he's with us today, Preston Lewis, whose dream is to give youth affected by unfortunate life circumstances the opportunity to learn about and connect with the motorsports industry. What an amazing story
1: yeah what a cool logo right?
0: what a cool I'm logo sure what a cool that. brand yeah. what a cool i mean actually, as we say everything you know it's uh it's about why you do it and uh when when you hear Preston, you'll understand why he's having such such uh success uh building this dream of his but you know Preston give us take us on a little uh road course if you will of how you got here
2: a quick little roadmap. a road map if you roadmap. will yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, the journey's definitely been a roadmap. It's had its ups and downs, left and rights. It's gone everywhere. But the quick roadmap, we could take up the whole podcast just talking about how we got to this point. But, uh, you know, essentially, this all started back in 2016. I was diagnosed with leukemia. I ended up spending over three and a half years on treatment. I ended up spending over 360 days stuck in a hospital room, you know, dealing with all of my uh, health issues and all those battles. Prior to that, I was always involved in racing. I raced motocross uh, when I was younger, but due to all my uh, medical diagnosis that I was forced to give up all of those past activities. There was no more motocross. There was no more of that for me. Mm -hmm. So that's when I kind of turned in to the, uh, the next avenue of racing. I started pursuing the desert racing, getting involved in that, um, you know, just from a, uh, a distance. Yeah. And that's when uh, I was able to connect with Make-A-Wish and they really uh, stepped up and helped me turn this f- foundation into a reality. So with the help of Mike over here and Christina Rhodes, they were, and Sean, we were all able to come together and you know form OMYF, that's what, you know, how it really kind of came to be make a wish stepped up and was able to help me pursue all the legal aspects of forming a foundation, which is much greater than most people think, you know, going into it, it's, you know, it's not just two or three pieces of paper, you know, it's books and books of stuff and letters and forms to fill out. And, you know, you got to appoint your board of directors, get all those people on board and build an entire team that's got the same motivation, the same end goal and the same dedication to it. You know, it, uh, That's really what it boils down to. So throughout all that process, I was actually able to still go to high school. I graduated high school. I was able to attend the University of Southern Indiana for a year. Um, While I was on treatment, though, and in high school, I attended the the Tech Center down here on Lance to be, oh, the Southern Indiana Career and Tech Center. That's where I went for two years and was able to uh, come out of there with a degree in uh, architecture, architectural design, mechanical design and uh, mm-hmm. drafting. Uh, was able to receive the Kiwanis Award in Excellence in, in Engineering. And I was able to uh, leave there with a certification in SolidWorks 3D modeling. So those are kind of all the steps that I have combined to get to where I am right now, along with a lot of hard work and dedication to make this program work, you know.
0: Yeah, I can remember when you were in here and we first started talking about it. You said, you know, you, you were. You were talking about the motor uh, cross and the way you raced at one point And, you know, the ability to do that was really no longer because of the, you know, pressure on, on everything uh, in the body. And you said that you and your dad really spent a lot of time watching desert racing, right? Started watching Baja and the series and, that was like an immediate connection.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was, you know, it's kind of a natural transition for most motocross guys to go that route later in their careers, just because, you know, motocross is so hot on your body in itself, that by the time you're in your mid to late 20s, you're kind of old news for the sport, and uh, that's time for you to transition into something else, and Baja is really a, a normal place for them to go. It's... Free and open, there's not as many rules and regulations and politics within the racing. It's more of a family-oriented race, something that, you know, people from the Midwest can relate more to dirt track racing, you know. It's more family-oriented, it's more grassroots, it's not the uh, glamour of NASCAR, per se. There's a lot more uh, glamour being drawn to it now as the sport's growing and developing more into a social media icon. Yeah, but... There's still a lot of history and a lot of families that just do it because they love it, you know. And that's what really drew me into it. And through thick and thin, I'm sticking with it, going for it no matter what, you know. And, and want to bring more kids involved into it, get them to where they have those opportunities. Just because it's such a hard sport to get involved in, unless you have that connection or that family name to go off, it's near impossible to get involved at a competitive level. So that's really what the whole goal of OMYF is, is to teach them the life skills to where they can get involved in the foundation, get involved in the racing, get their hands dirty, learn what they like within the racing, and take all those skills that they have learned and apply it to a career that they want to form for themselves in the future.
0: Yeah, that was day one evident of, like I can remember Mike walked in and said, hey, we like to introduce you to Christina and Preston. And there's an interesting, you know, opportunity here and what that looks like. And, you know, the thing that struck me the most was just the want to not only go racing, but to really pass that excitement on to others who may not understand what that really looks like. And that was, what, two years, three years ago. Two years
1: ago. Three and years ago. ago. That was pre-COVID, right? Yeah, that
0: was right. pre-COVID, yeah. like a whole year in advance, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they were just starting, I think, to talk about, oh, there might be this thing coming. And, uh, you know,
2: you actually launched this where? Oh, uh, so we launched this at PRI in, what, 2019? Right? Yeah, 2019. Yeah, so PRI in 2019, we launched, we had our... uh Press meetings and everything up There's yeah. a whole big to do. Um, a lot of coverage, a lot of interviews, things like that. And then, what, four months, three months after that, yeah. COVID rolled, rolled in, in and just, rolled in. bam, you know, everybody was kind of shocked. Yeah, yeah,
0: that was like the last big, because for those that don't know, it's the performance racing industry. And it's basically everybody in whether it's off road or indie or just. A lot of different racing. Some people know about SEMA, but then the the racing industry goes to Indianapolis for what's called the Performance Racing Industry Show, and that's typically in December. It's right after Thanksgiving. It's in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it's where you know you see the Andretti's walking around. You see, you
2: know, whatever, whoever, wherever, whatever, right? It's the who's and who's of racing. You know, it's it's all the big names and. They're just people, you know. They're up there just to help build their business and their careers just like everybody else. They are yeah, just like you and me up there. That's, that's really the coolest thing about the whole show. Very approachable. It is, yeah. It's an environment to where you can make those connections with them. Yeah. So
0: that was a big piece. I mean, we met. We talked about it. The organizations really got aligned. Like you said, Make-A-Wish was, you know— how do we do this? What do we do? Then there was all the the paperwork and then there was a brand to be developed and where do we launch it? And I think it all happened like in a matter of like, six, yeah, six, ish, six months. Yeah. Six months eight. from
2: probably our very first conversation. Yeah. But, you know, I'm going to say our last three and a half months of it was when it was really just go time, push, push, push yeah. to get everything out.
0: And you have individuals from, you know, across the country now who are really stepping up to help OMYS. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. We, uh, uh, we've we got a gentleman out of Phoenix that is working with us on a prototype chassis that we will actually be fabricating in-house. The kids are gonna be doing all of the welding and fabrication on that chassis. Uh, we've got a company out of Michigan that's gonna be doing all of the CNC laser cutting. So currently the plan is the gentleman out of Phoenix is finishing up all of the CAD design for the chassis. We're making a few tweaks and modifications for it to uh, work in our application perfectly. And then all that info gets shipped up to Michigan. We will go up to Michigan and meet with those gentlemen that run that company. That is called the BLM Group. It is a French-based company that makes all of the CNC equipment for Honda, Polaris, Yamaha, Sea-Doo, all of their lasers come from this company, so they have a big demo room up there that they show the executives from all over the world how their equipment runs. Yeah. And they're actually going to do all the CNC cutting up there for us. It's going to be live streamed on YouTube, all of that kind of stuff oh, to amazing. be uh, shared with the world. Yeah. but So they're coming on board to help. Uh, a gentleman out of Kannapolis, North Carolina uh, is building the motor, so that is Prestige Motorsports. So they're going to be building a 1,000 horse big block Ford. Uh, we've got a company out of uh, Wisconsin doing all of our driveline components, NYAPCO and you know the list just goes on and on. NGK, all kinds yeah. of p- places like that. They're that really stepping up to help get more kids involved and teach them all aspects of racing, just not behind the wheel stuff.
0: Yeah, and you have even you know board members. Uh, Detroit, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: Keith's from Detroit, yeah. and then we've got Craig. He's from. About three hours north of Detroit, we've got people from Indy, people from here locally, and we've got other people based even as far as Texas and California that are helping. But you know they are they're helping share their knowledge, you know, and yeah. in their best ways, you know, and that's what a lot of our our help comes from. It's just people that want to share tidbits here and there, you know, because all that information gets compiled together, and essentially you then have a better roadmap to success.
0: Yeah, so we went through and we – you had the press conference, and then, as we said, we went into this thing like we've never seen before for like two years, but the whole time you really kept going. And tell us, let's say, the fabric of the brand and Off-Road Motorsports Youth Foundation and those relationships that you formed. You didn't really just stop during COVID. You had a series of wins during COVID, including the facility and a few other things, right?
2: Yeah, we – through COVID, we just kind of changed our mode of attack for that. You know, yeah. We kind of started doing some stuff the old school way. So just writing letters, just handwritten letters with some information and get online and start looking up addresses for people that I thought might want to help. And, you know, just the cost of a stamp and a little bit of paper and time just started churning out letters. I think in one day I just sent like 65 letters out. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if this is made to the people that need it or not, or who knows. And then give it a week or so, and then make phone calls to those people. and Say, hey, I think you got some information in the mail from me. Let mm-hmm. me introduce myself. And, you know, some people said, oh, I, I don't really know, or I'm too busy. And then, you know, you just need a couple to say, yeah. And, you know, one of our biggest breaks was um, uh, Rick Geyser. So he is part of the Geyser brothers. They build and produce off-the-shelf trophy trucks for other teams to go race. So they are kind of the biggest builders of those trucks in the industry. Um, I sent a letter to him, and I called him about a week later, and he actually picked the phone up. I managed to get his direct contact number. He picked up the phone and said, Yeah, I've got your paper sitting right here. I had a note written down to call you tomorrow. Uh And since then, me and him have been correlating back and forth and he's helped us put a lot of pieces together to make more and more connections, you know, um, just because COVID was happening, all those people still had a life and still had stuff going on. You had to change your way of, you know, connecting with them.
0: Yeah. So So you you now also are pretty much, you have, you have the foundation, mm -hmm. you have the connections, Mm -hmm. you actually have a shop now too, right?
2: Yeah. We, uh, So we left in – for SEMA last year, it would be like November – I think it's like the 12th is when SEMA starts. the
0: first week. Apex starts on Halloween. Yeah. It's usually that Halloween day, whatever that is. So I guess it would
2: be like November 3rd, then it starts, something like that, is when the show opens. So I think October 28th, we were pouring concrete for a new facility. Um, We had some kids out there helping us. We were getting down and dirty, getting – concrete poured because that's what it took. You know, yeah. it, it you can't just sit behind a desk and make phone calls. It takes a lot more than that. So all of pr- last summer, we worked towards getting this facility up, starting with dirt work to getting the pole barn constructed. It's a pole barn frame building. Mm-hmm. Um, then we moved on to insulation and then we moved on to concrete. Um, then over winter, we were able to hang lighting and get some wiring done. And then... I put an order in in the end of November for electrical boxes, and I picked those up last week. They have been on order that entire time.
0: I'm working on another project that I'm starting to hear those things. Yeah.
2: So, you know, there's hiccups and stuff along the way, but essentially you just gotta keep pushing for it and going. So I met with an electrician last night that's gonna donate his time to hang the panels, get the service put in, everything connected. And then uh, help us lay out all the wiring, get all the circuits ran. And he's acting like within the next few weeks, we should have everything wired and ready and the service on to the building to where we can start moving forward in the production and fabrication phases of our legacy all and our journey, you know? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when you make these contacts,
1: it seems... In- I mean, what you're doing is pretty unique, right? Oh, yeah. I, I assume it's, it's,
2: there's really nothing else out there like it.
1: Yeah, and so when you're making these contacts and you hear it all, all over the country, are they drawn to the mission and vision of the foundation? Is it you and your personal story? What's, or is it just, hey, we, we get it. We get
2: totally get what you're trying to do. I, I think for each person, it's totally different. Yeah. I mean, so, for example, I met a gentleman that runs a uh, tool company, started talking to him, told him the story, you know, how we've got to where we are, what we're doing, what our mission is. And I think what, really, what caught him is he had a granddaughter that had a, a form of cancer and he was like, I'm hooked. I, yeah. I helped her and she's, you know, doing her own thing now. He said, but I want to help more people like that. You meet some people, they like it just for the, uh, the coverage of their brand, to see kids working with their brand, you know. Um, There's plenty of people within the industry that already use these companies' tools, use their equipment and stuff. But to see and be able to say, it's so simple, someone that's 16 can run this CNC plasma table, or it's so simple, the 16-year-old is welding a chassis. Yeah. I mean, that pretty much breaks borders down for what can you do? Anything. I mean, in reality, you can do anything you put your mind to. So that's. I think that really helps share the brand and get people on our side when it comes to doing this. Yeah,
1: because I was, I think it it was a pleasant surprise because I think most people um, would say we can do that in Evansville, Indiana, or you know. Yeah. We we can do that here, but Baja's out there. Oh yeah. It's not here, and and so then that, but it amazed me. The board members, some of the board members you got, and they were so enthusiastically supporting you like it yeah, wasn't mm-hmm. just like yeah okay i'll do it they were like no no look we're like they were gung-ho and yeah you had to sit back
2: on their energy it was like okay yes yeah. going
1: yeah it's, miles an hour
2: yeah they uh they definitely i think share the same passion and there's a lot of people in other industries that share the same passion for racing and they use racing as their mm-hmm. outlet mm-hmm. so you can't overlook other industries you know i i've Learned that out several times. You might meet someone that's in heating and air, and you just think it's an average person. You're talking to them, and you I'll mention the foundation. And before you know it, they know um, the Penske's, or they know the Childress, or they know Hendrix, or, yeah. or any big yeah. team. And it's like, oh, that's my nephew works for them, and I go to all the races, or I help sponsor this car. And you're like, I I just thought you were owned to heating and air company. But yeah. in reality... They have their roots tied into racing, and that's, this area is very deeply tied into all forms of auto racing. We will be one of the furthest East teams to compete in Baja. Uh, there's a team out of Chicago, and there are several teams based out of the uh, North South Carolina area, yeah. but uh, for the most part, everybody's out West. So we're kind of bringing in a new market, You know, a new group of people, a new set of influences to the industry. But with that, you know,
0: there is so much knowledge from other sports and, you know, the ability to go, oh, you know, another niche here in, you know, Evansville, Indiana. But I'm able, I mean, Brownsburg, you know, Indy up in in that area. We have dirt and circle track here. Drag racing is is all around. And um, even as you. Get into some other types of off-road. There's a, a lot of uh, individuals that are, are deep into those those routes. So there's just a wealth of knowledge that you're able to tap into. And I, do you think they all share that? Whether it is drag racing or NASCAR or you know share that same you know passion for what the experience is like?
2: I think they all probably share the passion of the family and camaraderie that racing brings. Yeah. I think that's what ties them together. I don't think they all get necessarily tied together by the adrenaline of the race. Yeah. Because you can take a racer and take him to just about any race and he's going to love it just Mm -hmm. because it's racing and how everybody interacts with everybody and how it's just a family. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, I think everybody has their own niche of racing that they prefer the most, but I think they all love it just because it's racing. They love the creative side of it. They love the technical side, and they love seeing people grow through the, the sports and through the industry. Yeah. You know, there are so many avenues within racing that you can grow yourself, grow your family and your team to overall just be a better person in your day-to-day life along with being a better person through your business. You know, Absolutely. So I'm curious, is
1: anybody listening that doesn't know much about racing Baja team. Mm -hmm. What, you and your dad build the whole truck, you go out there, and you just drive around, right?
2: Oh, yeah. More to it? It's just that simple. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. So uh, a trophy truck team really compiles a ton of different people, and you have to be an expert in several things. You know, every person has to wear five or six hats. You don't just have a tire changer. You don't just have an engine builder. You don't just have a welder. You know, everybody fills multiple positions. On a a standard team currently that is, you know, the top of the line, best, fastest winning championships back to back to back, they have anywhere from 25 to 35 guys that are always in their shops working on their rigs and getting everything lined out. And at a race of the caliber of, let's say, the Baja 1000, you'll see them there with anywhere from 70 to 90 people. But that's a team that has unlimited budget, unlimited funding from their sponsors to where they can, they are there for one goal, and that is to be the fastest one around or bring it home on a trailer because it failed. There is no in between, it's checkers or wreckers for them, you know? Um, For a team like us, so what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be competing in the Baja 1000. We will be running the unlimited trophy truck class. So that is the fastest top dog class out there that's what everybody strives to be but our end goal is to finish the race at the 1000 the attrition rate is like uh, last year's race I think was like 45% so Mm -hmm. less than half the people that started finished so it's a big deal just to say you finished the race
0: just the mindset around Preston real quick. He didn't, like, start and say, we're going to go, like, C-class. He went, like, <laughs> mindset was, no, we're going trophy, and there's no other option.
2: Yeah, we, we might as well <laughs> start at the big guns, you know. But The way I looked at it is if, if something goes bad, at least we got to run the fastest thing. That's right. Uh, you know, yeah. we didn't go, well, we gave up before we got there. You know, we went the fastest and gave it all we had. Well, like most
1: sports— I assume finishing carries with it... Just finishing, obviously, carries with it some kind of clout, some kind of... Oh, yeah.
2: Um, There's... So, so for instance, uh, there's a gentleman, BJ Baldwin. He is a very competitive racer. He does very, very well. I think he's won two or three one-thousands overall. You know, they have classes, but overall, I think he's won two or three. Um, I think he's won a championship once or twice don't fact check that, that could be off by one or two, but several years ago, he went three or four years without even finishing. You know, it's just, it's the desert. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of unknowns. There's, they're pushing a vehicle to do something that no other vehicle has ever been designed to do. You know, run 140 mile an hour through the desert. There is no track prep. There is nothing. It is raw desert that you're running through. You have 40 inch tires, thousand horse, 35 to 40 inches of suspension travel in the back you know 28 to the mid 30s in the front and it is just beating the truck the whole time eight foot berms and whoops that you're blasting through there's silt beds that are six foot deep you know it is just six feet of dust that the truck sinks through when it has to go through there it is everything a vehicle should not go through and not endure is what they're trying to do you know so that is the reason it's so hard and so difficult It's It's known as the hardest race. It is the longest point-to-point race in the world nonstop. You know, um, Dakar rally is longer, but, you know, it's a rally you get, you know, every day you stop, you sleep, you go on. The 1,000, it is straight through. Um, They set a time limit on the race. Last year's race, I think, was a 34-hour time limit. So some guys were out there longer than a day just trying to finish the race, you know. But there's a lot that goes into planning and prepping all that, and that's what we're trying to teach the kids how to do that. We want to teach them the logistics of managing a team, the marketing side of it, the fabrication and design side, the medical and safety side, um, everything that encompasses a team. There's so much that goes into it. Um, Everybody looks at it as just your your driver and your um, pit crew. That's what they see. Those are the two guys I see the most. But in reality, there's so much more that goes into it. So to circle back, there's a lot of people that go into making this team move forwards, And there's a lot of people that even on a standard team volunteer their time just to get experience out there. And that's how how OMYF works is we get, you know, a lot of people from the industry that want to volunteer some time and volunteer some knowledge to help make the next generation of racers better. And overall, just make the next generation better, you know. They don't necessarily have to stick with racing for their lifelong career. Um, All the knowledge they learn transfers to other areas, you know. If you want to be a welder on a trophy truck, you can be a welder on anything else. Mm -hmm. It's still steel. It still follows a lot of the same guidelines. And uh, to put something like that on your resume that you competed – on a youth based race team in the Baja 1000 and finished that race mm-hmm. that carries a lot of weight with it to a potential employer in the future. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to mix up my question before Sean jumps back in. I see he's taking
1: notes. but My design question because he's going to ask his but really tying into that it's like okay design wise mm-hmm. not what you use every day that's well designed because I'm sure there's stuff in your shop but what's the differentiator on a your ball truck that, on the truck yeah what do you, how do you design it you know like indie cars it's all about the mm-hmm. the shape and the, what you get away with and nascar has their little tweaks that they do to design what what's the design aspects of the truck where you can be more competitive or gain an advantage you could
2: ask 20 different people this question i guarantee you'd get 20 or 30 different <laughs> sure. answers they all have their own opinion um, was well, it well, custom to yeah. the driver or to the race so it's more custom to the race but every driver will tweak the truck a little okay. to make it perfect for them the the challenge with that is you're going to have four drivers in this truck for one race so you're always swapping out you've got four drivers four co-drivers that are always switching out to keep you fresh and on your toes for you know being out there for such long hours and such harsh conditions To me, the most crucial design part of it is going to be your suspension. That's what takes care of your driver and takes care of the truck. You know, if your driver's getting beat around in that seat and getting slammed into the belts all the time, it just fatigues them, they get off their mark, they're worried about, man, my shoulder is really killing me. You know, a lapse in thought like that at 100 mile an hour in the desert in the dark, that's, oh, I blew through a corner or I gone down into a wash and we can't get out or, you know, mm-hmm. you, you break something that way. But also, a rough suspension is going to transmit vibrations through the chassis and fracture welds. So, they're kind of, right now within the chassis industry, they're kind of changing some of their design characteristics on where they're placing engines and how they're designing all the suspension to help make just give it a softer ride overall. Mm-hmm. But I would say definitely your suspension is your biggest factor. That's the most secretive part of the uh, the racing. But I would ultimately yeah. say the suspension is your biggest factor. Average viewers, I'm going to pick that up probably. right?
0: I know I, there's a dirt track chassis builder that we chat with. And he's like, you know, if you're winning and you go over and hang like a a weight fabricated weight on your back, right? Suspension, everybody that's doing it will do it.
2: Oh, yeah, it's a head game. That's how <laughs> racing is. There's head games within it, you know. You can hang a wing on it and it can do totally nothing, yeah. It can do nothing, mean nothing, except look cool. And I guarantee the next race, there's gonna be six cars with that wing on it just yeah. because they think that's what you're doing to mm-hmm. win. Within Baja, there's definitely people that have secrets and how their ways work. I'm gonna say there's less of it. Just for the simple fact that a lot of the race relies on luck, you know, you can be out there and just have a, a freak part fail, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in this year's uh San Felipe 250, I think Brass Menzies had a fuel pump go out and that took him out for the race. His team was a multi million dollar race team that goes out there for a 250 mile race, they had 85 people out there, yeah, just. I mean, it's still a long race, but that's a lot of people to feed, house, Mm -hmm. transport down there. Um, They run a helicopter, so Bryce does not drive his truck to where he's going to pre-run. So for a little bit of backstory behind the Baham 1000, you get to pre-run the track for several weeks before the race just to try to make track notes, and memorize your course and know what you've got against, you're going up against. Mm -hmm. But Mother Nature, so everything's changing. So he tries to do his pre-running right before the race, like five days before. He wants to have all of his pre-running done, take one day off, and be ready to race. That's his goal. Mm -hmm. So he'll have guys drive his pre-running truck out to mile, let's say, 150, and he's going to do 150 to 250 that day. And... They'll fly a helicopter out, drop him off. He drives that, gets out, hops in a helicopter, flies back so he can get some rest and lets the crew bring his truck back. They tech it that night, go over it, make sure everything's perfect, move it out to another mile marker the next day, he flies out, bam. And that's how they do it because they have that at their disposal. Not every team has that, so every team does all that differently, you know. So you design your truck around things like that, you know.
0: So youth – Is in your name. Mm -hmm. Like
2: you're a young guy
0: and you have a younger brother and, you know, your team is there. But the youth of today, why is that uh, an important piece of your experience? Can you say why why you want to supply that?
2: Because I personally feel like a lot of people underestimate the young guys personally, just Mm -hmm. from my experience. So a little background about me is I grew up in an automotive shop for my entire life, you know. My grandpa opened the shop in 1954. It ran from 54 to 77. It closed in 77 uh, just because he had some health issues and things were changing. And then my dad reopened when he turned 21 and 88, you know. Mm-hmm. So he started the business back up, you know, basically from square one again, uh, at a very young age. and we're still open to this day. So we've been open 34 years this year. Been there quite a while, and uh, I've always grown up working in the shop, working on customers' vehicles, doing cool custom jobs, doing a lot of different and unique things. But I was exposed to it from a very young age. You know, I learned a lot, have a lot of skills and knowledge that I can share, and uh, do a lot of things that people who've been in the industry for twenty years can't. You know. Yeah. So, what I want to do is help give that experience to more people. And I think, you know, if you had 40 years of prime knowledge that you could apply to an industry, you could do a lot more rather than spend 20 of it learning that way you could work for a good 20, you know. If you can open that window up of having the most knowledge you ever had, think of what you have that you can share with someone else. And that's how, you know, that's how success is developed is by sharing and growing and building it. If you hide it all with you... And hoard it up, and then don't tell anybody. What good did it do? Right. You know. So that that's really why I want to get the young people involved so much is because I want to share with them the knowledge that I've learned, the knowledge that other people have learned, to develop really the ultimate, ultimate team and ultimate knowledge that they could possibly have. Yeah, so because
1: I I was gonna skip. I was gonna you you mentioned underestimating the youth and. I just want to say, you know, I think sometimes that's true. Mm-hmm. I think other times there's there's a big difference between I want to and I'm going to, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and I think when whenever we got introduced to you, that difference was clear. It wasn't, I want to do this, and now everybody just figure it out, let me know, or mm-hmm. yeah. put me in a car. It was like, no, this is what I'm going to do. Like, mm-hmm. it was very clear you were going to make it a success. And what they say? Everybody... Almost everybody has the want to do something, but very few people have the desire to follow through with it. They don't don't have the drive and the dedication to stick with it. And I think that's harder to teach, right? You can teach them how to
2: work on a car and do all
1: that, but that desire to really follow your dreams and make it happen.
2: Yeah, and see, that's kind of what's neat about the way the foundation is set up is that we want to get the kids involved with us at a level to where they have a desire and a want. And we want to teach them the how. So with a traditional college, you go in, you're like, I want to be an engineer. You get into it. You spend your money. You pay them. And you're into it for a year or six months or however long. And you go, man, this really isn't as fun as I thought it was. Or this wasn't what I thought it was. It wasn't presented to me this way. So now you're not happy. You spent money. You got to go to your parents or even convince yourself that that money I just spent, I'm going to... Throw away. Start again and do this new thing. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't do that four times to find what you want, Mm -hmm. you know, if you want to get a degree in what you want. You can pursue your degree and then go work in something totally different and go through five or six jobs and figure out what you want then. But with the foundation, we want to get them involved and say, you, you know, join the foundation. You're on the team. You're like, hey, I really like welding. I want to learn that. And, you know, we get you involved with some instructors that are coming out and uh, donating some time, and they're teaching you how to weld and all this. And it's just not your style. You don't enjoy it as much as you thought. You know, you decide you would rather work more in the uh, maybe some of the marketing and logistics. That's great. you moved. You can do this now. That's great. We'll teach you that. You know, now you haven't wasted. You know, ten months. A year, two years, figuring out you didn't like it, you were able to get your feet wet up front, figure it out, you know, from a very introductory level, more what you wanted, and now you're passionate about it, so you've got the drive, you've got the want, and now we're just trying to help share the how with you. you know so that that's kind of how the foundation is geared is to where they can learn those skills and maximize their potential just based on what they they want to learn and gain so you talked about
0: growing up in the auto you know you grew up in a shop and you know you know what benefits it brings you know from a personal perspective it helps you know create that drive like for the parents who are out there going no way like racing like you you know you and i share a a passion of trying to get the next generation in like that's what we've done with technician academy for for a number of years and getting individuals into drag teams drag racing teams and now one of them's a full-time pit crew member and all those things you know what do you say to the parents to say no way my kid is never going racing like how do you get the youth of today interested in something that's loud fast what I, is it
2: to me i feel like most kids are interested in it to an extent you know it's different and it's exciting. Yeah. That's what they're ultimately drawn to is interesting and exciting. Yeah. Um normally what I would say is, you know, look at the safety side of it. There's a large difference between football and racing, you know. Um, there's a lot of people that get hurt playing football, you know. Yeah. Oh, I tore my knee out and I walked with a hobble for the next 50 years. Right. There's guys that run trophy trucks that are in their late 60s, and they're driving a truck that runs 140 miles an hour through the harshest desert, and they get out, and they're perfectly fine. They roll them. They do all kinds of stuff, and they get out and walk just fine. They feel great. So from a safety side, it is an extraordinarily safe sport to get into. From an involvement and interesting side, there's a spot for everybody. So you don't necessarily have to start out as a gearhead to end Mm -hmm. up loving it you can get involved with it just from a business or a medical side. So um, while I was on treatment, I met a nurse. Me and her are really good friends. Every time I go up for checkups, if I don't go say hi or see her, I'll get a Facebook message that, hey, why didn't you come see me today? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I was busy. I had stuff to do. She's like, well, that's no excuse. Yeah. So, um She's actually uh, is going to be volunteering time to come down and teach the kids, you know, some health and safety stuff about being involved within racing. So she is not a gearhead at all. Yeah. But she loves the idea. She loves the, uh, the passion and the connection she can have with kids. So there's a spot for everybody, and the same goes for the kids. If they want to be involved in the medical field, they can, you know, get their feet wet with us you know, learn a lot, make connections to where they can have careers set up for themselves. And, you know, if they still want to go to college, that's awesome. Go to college, better yourself with education on something you're passionate about. And you've got experience under your belt whenever you're done. You know, you're you've slingshot yourself forwards. You're writing yourself the golden ticket, you know, ultimately.
0: Yep. I always like to ask those in the field, is it the youth that we really need to get to or mom and dad?
2: I would say it's both, honestly. I think, I think mom and dad have to be connected with their kids in order to share the same passions as them. You know, um, I meet so when we were up at uh, PRI, I met a young man walked up, you know, introduced himself, um, said he had seen us online, he follows us, um, he saw us on the roster for the show, and he walked in at like I think the show starts at nine. It was like nine twenty five, and he just beelined into the booth. We're talking to him, and he goes, I will do whatever it takes to be involved in this. I'm like, that's great, man. You know, talking to him, and his dad catches up to him and walks up, and he goes, oh, we want nothing more than him to follow this. You know, he loves it, and this is exactly what he wants to do. He wants to be involved in racing. You know, what's better than pushing him to the next step? You know, so he already had that connection with his parents of, Having a passion, they shared the passion with him, and pushed him to be better. Um, so I think you have to have some of that connection in the beginning, and that's what racing promotes—is that family connection. Um, mm-hmm. Most drivers have their wives and parents and everybody there with them all the time. There's there's opportunities to spend that time. It's not like a professional football player where they have to be in the gym for six hours a day, five days a week, and no one can come hang out. It bothers them or it's in their way. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like that. There's room for them to share those times and share the values with them.
0: Yep. Well,
2: we are 48
0: minutes in, and, you know, we've barely touched any of these questions, but <laughs> we've talked about an, an amazing experience that you've been through, and you've outlined the story extremely well. But in order for it to be at 5:30 on Main we have to work ask the, you know one question what, what does experience mean to you?
2: Experience can mean a lot of things, I feel like. Um, I would say experience to me truly is being able to take away knowledge from uh, something you've done in the past. You know you can have done a ton of things, but if you didn't pick up on the knowledge or benefit yourself from it, I don't really feel like you're necessarily classifying that as experience, you know. When when you truly have experience, you're benefiting yourself by gaining knowledge. You're putting more tools in your toolbox, as I like to call it, you know. Yeah. You can take something from something you did 10 years ago, apply it to something you're doing tomorrow, benefit yourself, benefit the people around you. That's what true experience to me is, you know. There's a ton of places to gain knowledge and and benefit yourself. Yeah good
1: answer ties right in right what we're talking about here (laughs)
2: yeah it's a nice segue yeah segue oh yeah I heard a story about that
1: (laughs) I won't go off on that segue (laughs) yeah so what's a space
2: or or location that
1: makes you emotional or you you really have a passion
2: for well I mean I would say the shop always shares some type of emotion to me any shop does but I would say the uh the OMYF building definitely has a lot of emotion in it just because it came from something that most people classify as the worst thing that could happen in your life mm-hmm. has now been transitioned into something that could be the best thing for so many other people. You know, I, uh, and I feel like all those emotions are tied into that because mm-hmm. it's essentially gone from nothing to something, you know, it, uh, there was definitely a lot of time sitting in a hospital bed going Is this going to happen? Will this really happen? You know, what am I doing here? How has this happened? You know, millions of questions run through your head. Um, And then during my treatment, as I was finishing it up, my mother got diagnosed with brain cancer. So that definitely makes you go, huh? You know, I have now been on the side of the patient to now I am the caregiver and the person looking from the outside in but also I've got an inside view of what's happened I know exactly you know all those feelings and everything so for me it's taking all of that trying to flip it around in the most positive way I can and build off of it you know there's so yeah I would definitely say there's a lot of emotion in that but it's all a positive you know yeah I, I definitely try to put a positive spin on everything um there, positive emotions just to share that it doesn't matter what you've gone through, what you've been through, what people have said to you, thought about you, looked at you, forget it, you know, yeah. and just be the absolute best, you know, um, live every day like it's truly your last, and you'll be happy with it at the end of the day. It, a lot of people, I think, say live every day like you last, mm-hmm. and but very few truly will live it like it's their last. I'm not saying go out and do risky things that are, you know, have no care for everybody else, but just truly devote yourself to a passion or something, put your all into it. And no matter what kind of emotions you had before, they're going to transpire into something positive for you and others. So there's definitely a lot of emotion and passion within that. I'm curious how that translates because, you know, we've talked a little bit about the technical side and
1: what the foundation is doing. but Obviously, the youth or anybody that comes there is going to—they're going to be young. They might not have the same life experience. How are they connecting, you know, them on more personal levels so that they really buy into the foundation's mission? I,
2: I think there's a personal connection generated through every person that comes into the shop. You know you get to talking to them, you get to, even just working with them, you know, you work with someone for a little bit and they're going to start being themselves around you and just, you know, talking about their life, you know, what has happened, you know, what are they going through and what are they building towards? And that's when I feel you can kind of share your own experiences with them and help guide them. You know, I'm not going to say, um, influence your own opinions on them or anything like that, but help guide them to where, you know, the next day is always going to be better. The next day can always gain. It can always always work out for you, you know. So I think that's kind of how the personal connections can be formed and they can buy into wanting to stay involved in the foundation, mm-hmm. you know. A lot of that just naturally grows through those interactions.
1: Positive outlook, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that is. I mean, I, I feel like everybody's got to have one to be successful at in today's day and age, you know, if you want to dwell on negativity, you could just sit and look at Facebook all day and <laughs> and you, you'll find plenty of negativity. I guarantee it, you know, but that's not what the foundation is based around. That's not what I'm based around. And most successful people aren't based around negativity. No, I don't know
0: any. You have to want to keep going. Diamonds aren't perfect mm-hmm. when they come out of the ground, right? Like I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about they went to a startup pitch and they were cut. And their mindset coming out of that was literally that, like diamonds aren't perfect when they come out. But like that cut got me to one step closer to being, you know, classified as that diamond. It was a big learning experience. I asked a lot of questions. I did a lot of these things. And it was that experience of, you know, I failed And what did I learn from it? And then how do I apply what I learned to make the next cut better and the next cut better? And and you're going to keep getting there until you have your final product. And then, you know what? Maybe there's another one Mm -hmm. that you start to manufacture,
2: but you absolutely have to keep going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There is no such thing as a perfect person. It just isn't out there. You know, they don't, they don't just wake up and have perfection. They don't just wake up and be successful. Every person that's successful, you talk to them, they will tell you this didn't work, that didn't work. They told me no. This person told me no. And 50 other people told me no. Yeah. But 10 people said, yeah, you can do that. And those are the people that helped them and supported them and had the same vision. And bam, now look at them, you know. Anybody that's successful within any industry was formed like that, you know.
0: So being on, you know. November, right? Is Baja? Is yep. that right? Yep. So racing this year or even next year, like what when you when you get there and and I know you're getting there. What's that experience going to mean to you as you stand there in the desert or surrounded by a team, looking around? Like, what do you think is going to go through your mind?
2: Boy, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say it's gonna be such a variety of thoughts you know um so we went down this year to the race just to help get more experience down there meet people try to lay out some form of a plan of where we should set up you know home base at, where should we you know uh want to set our teams up for meetings and things like that because it's ensenada there is for someone that does not speak spanish And doesn't read road signs that are Spanish. You have to kind of learn by talking to people and meeting more people and other teams. And uh, it's just a variety of things to do down there to get everything laid out. So I would say initially the feelings are going to be, wow, we have a lot to do, a lot to get set up, and a lot of people to make sure they're all on the same page. But I would say once some of the dust settles and it's more ironed out, it's going to be a lot of... We finally did it. We're finally here. There's <laughs> finally a truck on the ground with, you know, some kids behind the wheel, you know. Yeah. we got to get chase trucks down there. we got to get everybody down there to, uh, to support the team and make it a success.
1: And it's all free, right? You just – you have them. a money tree, right? You just hit a button
2: and it's there. <laughs> it's just like Amazon. It just shows up at your door next to air.
1: So, because I'm sure some people want to know, like me, well, financially, you know, as a foundation, mm-hmm. raising money is important. Oh, It's yeah. important yeah. for everything. And yeah. I'm sure it's some sponsorships and all
2: that, uh, how do you work through all that financially? So, um, a lot of our sponsors like to help by uh, donating product. So, like NGK and Prestige Motorsports and those places really like to help by just contributing products that, you know, they can ship out the door and get a, a, a nice reward on their end from. But uh, we also work with sponsors just for on a, a financial basis, you know. Um, some local uh, companies have stepped up and helped us with some of that. We do fundraisers. We sell um, merchandise on our website, um, all of those sort of things. But we're always looking for more people that are wanting to get involved and help from a financial side along with a, uh, a product side. So our, our current phase that we're in um, on our roadmap to success is some of our uh, our financial development and product development. Uh, we're working towards getting more equipment moved into the shop uh, where we're looking for companies that want to help by donating welders and just general equipment. It doesn't have to be brand new stuff. It can be, you know, used. Um, it can have dents and scratches on it, stuff they can't sell on their to their regular retail customers. But, I mean, ultimately, the equipment works the same. You know, it doesn't have to have a pretty paint job on it to work. So that's how a lot of our uh, sponsorship stuff kind of works.
0: What, uh, you've talked a lot about brands who step up and are helping along the way. In general, like what's a brand, person, you know, uh, organization? Who's doing it right today? Who has, you know, living it authentically? What's your favorite right now?
2: There's so many. You know, there's so many that come from a different perspective and come from a different angle, you know? There's plenty of brands that financially are doing it awesome right now but maybe don't have the best uh, customer service and relations there. Mm -hmm. And there's some that do it the complete opposite. They have great customer service, but, you know, financially, they're just not making it. Yeah. Um, Me personally, I really like. To, uh, to work with companies like, uh, you know, Miller Welder does a lot of really good things. We're working to connect with them right now. We haven't officially agreed yeah. upon anything, but we're really striving to get there with them. Uh, you know, Prestige Motorsports, they're pretty awesome. They're, they're taking mm-hmm. care of that motor for us, um, but they also come from a standpoint of they want to build the best product for their customer And do it in a timely manner. So that's really a big key to it. Um, Their business is all focused around building high-performance engines for custom cars. You drop your vehicle off with them. They get it set in the vehicle. It runs, drives, gets everything, all the bugs worked out so you don't have to. Yeah. And then you get back a high-performance resto mod or, or whatever you're trying to build. They do everything from resto mods to drag cars to now desert trucks. Yeah. So... Uh, that's what we are kind of. I like companies like that. Companies are willing to to work with a customer, to work with their their consumer on a on a very easy to communicate with field, and they definitely are one of the easier ones to work with. But you know, I could go on and on about the great ones out yeah. there. You know.
0: Well, Mike's favorite experience now on this podcast is he loves. The interview pod decks. It's a series of questions, and you get to pick your unique one. Pick a card, any card. any card. Uh, and there's a question there. It's not
2: the same one. Yeah. And if it is, we put it in this cup here. Alrighty. So my card says, "You have 100k. You have to donate or create a charity. What do you do?" <laughs> Well, I think I've kind of answered that question already. (laughs) Except I didn't start out with the 100K. (laughs) Look at that. Man. It's fate, I guess. Fate. Totally accurate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... uh...
1: Well, I'll tag on to that because the one thing I thought of was... And I can't remember the movie. And I can't remember uh, what exactly... But it was a a NASCAR movie. Or if it was a show. and Okay, I got 100K. I'm going to donate it to... YMF, I'm gonna get a sticker on the Baja car. And Mm -hmm. the guy goes out there to see it, and it's like a one inch by one inch sticker, like up by the windshield. And that's, he goes, No, that's what it got you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he thought it was gonna be like the whole side of the car or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That team and getting there took a lot. I do think that a lot of people do think that, like, oh, I'm going to yeah. put this on there. It's going to be the whole left, right quarter panel, and it's going to be this whole thing. But it's kind of like what you and I talk about. Well, people what? say, oh, well, it's just the logo, or it's just you know this, or it's just a room edition, right? Like, why is it that? It, it, it really only took you an hour. Well, yeah. it's actually, it took us 22 years plus of experience of this yeah. experience to get this. And all here. these people. Yeah. And all these people. Yeah. So No,
1: I'd donate a hundred thousand was it?
2: You're I donate
1: a hundred thousand. And even if it was bigger, I'd still want to be that big. Ironically. Ironically.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, I I could get you a sticker that size. <laughs> for a hundred for a hundred thousand. I would I could even do it for fifty percent off.
0: A <laughs> hundred thousand. I'd have to break it up into ten. Like <laughs> I don't know. Is is it 100,000 of impact in one place is more meaningful or 10, you know, at 10,000? I don't have the I, one. I would, I would, I would, I would you would you I'm day. sure he would take 10. <laughs> I'll give you advice <laughs> differently
2: <laughs> yeah. depending on who's getting it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Because we wouldn't be here today without, you know, one of these organizations yeah. that are out there doing it, right? And then right. there's, you know, OMYF and others and others and others and you know, I don't know. You go that I too could, far; you're giving everybody a dollar. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't go any more than ten. Ten thousand dollars meaningful, I think, yeah. to uh, nonprofit organizations. I think you can do a lot of good there. Oh yeah. Uh, so I'd I'd spread it out a little bit. Maybe I'd go fifty and then five tens. Do that.
2: Mm-hmm. So but now the, there goes my hundred thousand. Now the million dollar question is who gets a <laughs> fifty. Uh, <laughs>
0: Let's see the 50.
1: Today... He'll give you a sticker, too, dude. I'll get you two <laughs> stickers.
0: Today, yeah. I mean, seeing it from, like, you know, when you talk about impact and somebody that's going to get it done, I, I know the 50 through OMIF would would 100% every penny on it go to making that dream come true. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. yeah and, you know, that's the cool part with foundations. I think people don't recognize is that there's websites out there you can go see how many, how much of a dollar makes it to the actual, you know, designed impact. Yeah. Currently, 100% of everything gets donated to OMYF goes to getting the kids out there, getting them an the experience, and getting, getting them racing. Nobody takes any paychecks. Nobody takes any of that stuff. It's all volunteer-based, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't take anything out of it. We all just do it because we want to and love it. And we really like working hard to, uh, to get out there, you know, thing to, to share the experiences with the kids. Absolutely.
0: So, um, yeah, if it was the 50, hundred percent going to OMYF. I know there's a, a bunch of other organizations that the 10 would step up and be able to compete. But right now I know how hard you've worked over the last three years and it's, it's pretty awesome to see. Pretty awesome to see. Well, How do we get you to 50K? Maybe through all these podcast listeners out there. Maybe each one of you goes. If we had 10, you know, if we had a 1,000, I don't know, we had Mm 5,000, and each one of them, what's the math there? 5,000 listeners at 100 apiece. Mm -hmm. Does that get us to 50? Yeah. Yeah. So go there. Do that. How do, they, how do they do that, Preston?
2: So you can get on our website. It's uh, omy-foundation.org. That gets you to our main homepage. Um, you can make donations on there um, via just a, a straight-up donation. Uh, or you can you know purchase memorabilia and T-shirts and all kinds of cool stuff on there. Um, in the upper right-hand corner, there's a drop-down menu. It'll say shop. Once you click on the shop page, it'll ask if you just want to make an outright donation or if you want to purchase something. yeah uh, every every sale counts and every donation does a ton for us, you know it's able to impact the lives of kids. In a manner that I don't think anybody will ever expect. I I can't even tell you exactly what's going to happen with them. Mm-hmm. They could go on to be the next Allen or Junior. They okay. could be the next greatest sensation on the racing scene, or they could be the next Einstein. You know, who knows? Who yeah. knows what they're going to be? He's on. You know, he has the
0: website, social media too, right?
2: Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of fun stuff.
0: You on TikTok yet? You doing TikTok dances?
2: I, I don't do TikTok dances. No. <laughs>
0: All right, so it's omy-foundation.org, right? Yep, that is correct. So think about it that way: o and then my-foundation.org. So omyfoundation.org. You can go there. Like I said, buy some gear, make a do- financial donation, get a hold of them through email, whatever that
2: is. You can reach out directly through the email on there. Um, we have a uh, like a newsletter form. You can apply to receive updates and stuff along those lines. Or we have a blog on there that, you know, yeah. kind of keeps you up to date on big events that we're either going to be attending or big events that happen within the foundation. Yeah. And if
1: Elon Musk is, wants to have an all-electric oh, Baja yeah. truck, uh,
2: you okay. guys will make it happen, right? Oh, I can make anything happen for the <laughs> right people. <laughs> there, There is never a project too hard or too challenging. We've, we've made it this far. We can do anything now.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. So as we start to wrap up, it's an hour in. I'll try to keep it uh, to an hour for our listeners. I'd uh, love to continue on here, and maybe uh, we'll have you back after, uh, after the first race, after the, you know, the test fit, everything comes together. Yeah. Maybe we'll be in full video by then, and we'll just uh, go through and do the interview around it.
2: Maybe we'll just have to do live from Mexico or something. Live from Mexico. Mexico.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. Sign us up. Let's the go. The group in Mexico. Yeah, so we are once again. It's at five thirty on Main, brought to you by VPS Architecture and Extend Group. Mike Davis, VPS, Sean Collins, Extend Group. We were honored today to have Preston Lewis, the Executive Director of Off Road Motorsports Youth Foundation, in with us. Uh, Mike, Preston, thank you for your time. Any closing thoughts?
2: No, thanks. That was great. Yeah, thanks for having that. me out here, guys. It was great talking to you guys again, catching up and. Hopefully, we can make some extra connections and get some more youngins involved with us. Love it. Love it. So, uh, like the podcast, share the
0: podcast if you like this story. And I'm going to get to clear, you know, I'm going to get some self-awareness going here. It This is a pretty unique story. I, I don't know that anyone has this track record. He's He's been very uh, deliberate and intentional with every move that he's made. He's right on. Uh, he's self-aware. He knows what he wants to do. He communicates the vision, uh, mission, vision, values extremely well. So we need to get him to uh, get him where he needs to go. So like this podcast, share it out. Get on the websites, vpsarc.com or extendgroup.com. Tell us if there's someone that you would like to join us on the App 530 on Main podcast. But until then, we've got more uh, coming up. Calendar keeps filling up. I'm looking forward to the next one, but this was a good one. Thank you for listening to at 530 on Maine. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of at 530 on Maine, hosted by
1: Sean Collins and Mike Davis. Please leave us a review and share your thoughts on today's
0: episode. Let us know how you've been inspired or what you would like to hear on future episodes. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, help us spread the word. Share us on your social channels.
1: Message a friend. Rate the podcast.
0: Without you, this experience would not be possible.